Well, the title of my sermon today is from the book of John, The Way, the Truth, and the Life. The Way, the Truth, and the Life. Because Jesus is the way. But brothers and sisters, there's many ways to do many things. But Jesus is the only way. Amen? There are many truths that people follow in this world. But Jesus is the only truth. There, there, is ma there are many lives you can live. You can live your life in many different ways. But according to Jesus, there's only one life. And that is to live according to Jesus Christ. Amen? Come with me, please. Let's study the scriptures out this afternoon. Amen? Let's go to Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 9, the Bible teaches in verse 2, well, let's start in verse 1. It says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to a high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. When Paul was converted, he got letters. Before he got converted, he persecuted the Christians. And he persecuted those who followed the way. See, our first point is Jesus is the way. Amen? The way was considered the Christians. One of the words for Christianity in the first century was the way. Another word for them was sect. But we like the way. Amen? And as disciples, we got to understand that Jesus is the way. Our heart as disciples is to evangelize the whole world. Amen? But as Latino disciples, we have a special heart for those in Latin America. Amen? We have a special heart for them. In fact, we have, we, have, we have 12 people here from Santiago, Chile. We have 11 from Sao Paulo, Brazil. And I believe we have 16 from Mexico City. See, guys, you have brothers from your sister churches in Latin America. They're all here to evangelize their nations. Amen? Jesus is the way. In Romans chapter 1, let's go there, please. The only way to live your life is to live according to Jesus' teachings. But when you don't do that, Look what the Bible says in verse 24. It says, therefore, he gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. The Bible says here that he gave them over. Let's jump over to verse 26. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchange natural relations for natural ones. 
Let's jump over to verse 28. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a deprived mind to do what ought not to be done. See, the Bible teaches that when you insist on sinning, something happens. See, all of us sin as disciples. All of us will sin. But we know that Jesus is the way. Amen? If you insist on sinning, even as a disciple, there's going to come a point that God is going to give you over to that sin. For example, if you start masturbating and you don't stop, you don't repent, there's going to come a point that God gives you over to that sin. What I believe that means is that God gives you a spirit. He allows an evil spirit to enter into you uh, with that sin to dominate you. That happens with impurity. That happens with, it can happen with bitterness. If you're a bitter person and you don't forgive and you don't repent, God will give you over to a spirit of bitterness. And then your whole life gets tainted. It happens with drugs. If you decide to do drugs and you don't repent, you become addicted. God gives you a spirit and you're now enslaved to that sin. Sexual immorality, even sadness and depression. If you give in to it, then God gives you over to that spirit. And I want to talk to you about Jesus being the way. Because as disciples, we need to be righteous. Amen? See, as Latinos, we're not known for righteousness. We're known for breaking the law. We're known for trying to go the easy way. But I tell you one thing. If we're going to evangelize the world, we need to be as righteous as any other disciple. Amen? I know for me, I I've sinned in this area. I remember when I was here in Orange County uh, about seven years ago, leading the region, there came a point that our region was not baptizing people that much. And I, for the first time in my life, I got very sad because my, our region was not baptizing. And then uh, my disciple at the time, Kip McKean, he told me, Raul, you're bitter. And I go, I'm not bitter. He goes, yes, you're bitter. And I had to pray and think about it. I gave into sadness, not because I cared about the, the non-Christians. I gave into sadness because I cared how I looked in front of other daily leaders. I was, I was prideful. I was caring about my reputation. When I realized that, I repented, amen? I repented. I decided never again to make my ministry reflect my emotions. I repented, and then Orange County became the fastest growing region in the LA church at that point. Amen? I gave myself into the sin of bitterness, and it consumed me. I had to repent. I remember uh, my first year in Sao Paulo, Brazil, three years ago. The first year was very hard. We didn't know the language. Uh, it was a new culture. Uh, the missionaries struggled. 
and I struggled, amen? And I gave, it's interesting, there was four sins that I gave myself into at that time. And God had to discipline me. You know what happened to me the first year? Two times I almost died of choking on food. I mean, think about it. What a stupid way to go, choking, you know? I mean, if you're going to go out as a missionary, you go out sharing your faith, amen? You go out as a martyr, but not you eat a piece of tuna and you go, ah, and you die. Two times, guys, I almost choked to death. Thank God there was a brother there to do the Heimlich on me, and I spit out the, the tuna, and it came out. One time, that same year, I was in the subway, and all of a sudden, I couldn't breathe. For the first time in my life, I, got, I had a panic attack, but I didn't know it. My breaths were very short. Uh, I, I wasn't even able to get breaths in. And I knew, I thought I was going to die. I go, I'm going to die. So... I started whispering to the guy next to me, can you come to church? <laughs> I go, this time if I die, I'm going to die sharing my faith, amen? <laughs> and See, God was disciplining me in my life, but I still did not know why. Isn't that incredible? Is God disciplining you in your life? He is, because God loves you. But you got to ask yourself why. So at that time, when I almost couldn't breathe, I didn't know why God was doing it. I got off the subway station. I, I bought a little chocolate milk, and I felt better. Amen? Then a few months later, I was in a cemetery praying in Sao Paulo. You know, cemeteries are great to pray here in the States. But what I didn't know culturally, that in Brazil... Cemeteries are places where the, where the thieves hide, where, where, people, uh, where people go and do drugs and stuff. So I went to the cemetery and I started praying, looking at the mausoleums and stuff like that, and the cops come in. And they immediately point guns, guns at my head. See, it's not like the U.S. Over there, they just come out with a gun first. And they go, get down. So I got down, get on your knees. And then so I got my, my knees like this. Who are you? So they ask me a question. I go, look, I'm a foreigner. And they go, exactly. See, we're looking for a foreigner who robbed somebody around here. <laughs> Not my day, you know? I was on my knees for, for like an hour there. They were, until they finally let me go. See, God was disciplining me. Because Jesus is the way. But I still did not know why until the final discipline. See, at that point, I was 38 years old, and I thought I was like 25. So I went out to play basketball with the brothers. But I was 38. I didn't warm up. Uh, I didn't stretch. I mean, I was able to do that in my 20s. I, just, I went out there, okay, I'm going to go play now, basketball. I played basketball, and I tore my patellar tendon. <laughs> they took me in the hospital. <laughs> I tore it. They took me in the ambulance to a public hospital. I didn't have insurance at that time. And public hospitals in Brazil are, are pretty intense. You can see dogs walking around and stuff. I mean, they're intense. 
they didn't have a room for me. I had to stay in the hall for three days. The first day, they didn't have a, how do you call it, stretcher? They didn't have a stretcher for me to stay in the, I had to sit on a wheelchair. And it, and it was super cold, they didn't even have covers for me. So I was there the whole night in pain, <laughs> in super pain, and I still didn't, didn't get it, what God was doing in my life. Aren't we that way once in a while? See, God is disciplining you, and you don't know why. I had all that discipline in my life, and I finally decided, okay, I'm going to pray. I prayed. I read my Bible, and I asked God, God, what are you trying to teach me? Finally, I realized there were four sins that I was committing. Number one, I wasn't very evangelistic. I was evangelizing, but I wasn't very evangelistic. Number two, I was giving into impure thoughts. I wasn't masturbating. I wasn't watching pornography, but I was giving into impure thoughts in the street. Number three, I was getting angry at my wife and my kids. And number four, I was focusing a lot on entertainment, things like sports, things like watching a lot of ESPN, etc., and not in the work of the ministry. And God stepped on me, amen? After I realized it, I repented, amen? And so Paulo grew from 30 to now 130, amen? Why do I say all this? Because I'm a sinner. But with God, God does great things with a sinner, amen? So what is the sin in your life that you have to repent from? Think about your life. Maybe it's not sexual morality. Maybe it's not impurity. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe your sin is lack of faith. Look in Revelations chapter 21. In Revelation 21, in verse 8, the Bible teaches, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. See, the Bible says that the sin of cowardliness the sin of unbelief is like the sin of murder. See, I think a lot of us here fall into the sin of cowardliness. We're cowards. We don't really share our faith. Some of us here fall into the sin of unbelief. You don't really believe that God is going to use you. You don't really believe that God is going to use your Bible talk to bear fruit. Guys, I want to call you this afternoon to make a decision. What is the sin that you need to repent from? What is the sin that you need to repent from so you can bear great fruit for God? Amen? See, Jesus is the way. Amen? Second point, Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. Look in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, in verse 31, we come to a familiar scripture. 
which says, to the Jews who had believed them, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The Bible says something very profound here. In order for you to know the truth, you first have to obey. See, you cannot know the truth about God. You cannot know spiritual truths intellectually. You cannot know God by reading the Bible. You can only know God by reading and obeying the Bible. Intellectual truth about the Bible is dangerous. It'll make you a Pharisee. The way to know the truth is to first obey. This is counterintuitive to anything we understand in our life. If you want to buy a car, you first test drive it, right? You don't go by faith. You don't go to a car lot of used cars and you go, I like that one. I want to buy it by faith. No, right? You test drive it. Spiritually is the opposite. You trust God. You obey God. And then God opens your mind so you can understand the truth. Amen? See, Jesus is the truth. I want to lift up a couple here who has really understood this passage. And that's Jared and Rachel McGee. Amen? Last uh, winter workshop, Jared and Rachel came to the work workshop. Jared had a phase of depression <laughs> at that point because it had been hard with the Mexico City Church. He took a very difficult situation, and they had three baptisms at the university in, when, he, when he got there. But Jared decided, I'm going to repent. I'm going to get focused. I'm going to go on campus. I'm going to evangelize. I'm going to be laser focused. I'm going to have faith. And just in one semester, guys, their Bible talk over there on campus had 10 baptisms. Amen? And Mexico City, guys, is percentage-wise the fastest-growing church in the movement. Amen? Why? Because Jared repented. See, repenting, guys, is something awesome. It's something great. And that's what we need to do, brothers and sisters, in order to evangelize here in the U.S. or anywhere else in Latin America. Repentance is the first step. But in order to repent, you have to understand some passages. One is 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's go there. In 1 Peter 1, in verse 13, the Bible says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. So you can only repent if your hope is only on God. See, as disciples, we need to think about God. We need to think about heaven. We need to think about being with Jesus in heaven. Psalm 27, let's go there. Psalm 27, 
Verse 4, look at this. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. See, David had one desire. David wanted one thing. He wanted to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? It's just like, like your kids. Some of the foreigners here are fired up because they get to go to Disneyland. And for them, they, they go to Disneyland, and they're like amazed. Wow, this is so awesome. And they just love being there. They get to see Mickey Mouse. They get to, you know, play with Goofy and stuff like that, you know. But they love it. But for us that grew up in the States, Disneyland is no big deal. Like, I grew up in Florida. I went to Disney World like 20 times because I live so close. I used to go all the time to Epcot Center, uh, Disney World, SeaWorld. I used to go all the time. So I never want to go to Disney World again. I'll go for my kids, but that's it. So, but for somebody who's never seen it, they go, wow, I want to take pictures in front of the castle. This is great. That's the same way you got to think about God. See, we talk about God. The church, we, we see the scriptures, but are you fascinated with God? Do you think about God? See, a lot of times we think about doing things for God. We think about evangelizing, and we need to, amen? We think about discipling people, and we need to, amen? But the most important thing is to enjoy and think about God. Amen? See, why do we evangelize? Why do we do Bible talk? Why are we missionaries? Because we want people to go to heaven. We want people to enjoy the relationship that we have with God. Amen? But sometimes our focus is not God. It's working for God. And that's why sometimes you're not happy. That's why sometimes you're unfruitful. That's why sometimes you're impure, because God is not your focus. Your focus is doing things for God for human recognition. I want to challenge you this afternoon. I want to inspire you. I want to inspire you to think about God, to meditate on the word day and night. Amen? Why? Because Jesus is the truth. And our final point is Jesus is the life. Amen? Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is the life. Look in John chapter 6. In John 6, In verse 40, it says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. See, God's will is for everyone to have eternal life. In the same passage, in the same chapter, let's jump over. To verse 50. 
where it says, but, but here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. See, Jesus is the life. And here it says that his flesh was given for the life of what? Of the world. Jesus' flesh was not given, given only for Southern California. Jesus' life was given for the life of the world. Why do I say this scripture? Because as disciples, we need to understand that we need to love the world. Just like it was preached before. See, as of now, we have a great church in Mexico City. Amen? We have a great church there. We have a great church in Santiago, Chile. Amen? We have a great church in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Amen? But that's only three nations. We have an amazing remnant group in Bogota, Colombia. Amen? And we have another remnant group in Cali, Colombia. Amen? But as disciples, Jesus gave his life for the whole world. See, I want to tell you exciting plans. We're, we're praying and we're planning and we're really going to God because the plan as of now is in 2016 with Jared and Rachel McGee to officially plant Bogota, Colombia. Amen? They're amazing. They're going to go there. They already have a remnant group. And they're going to crank for the Lord. Amen? Another prayer plan, which you know, is in 2017 with Danilo and Carol to plant Rio de Janeiro. Amen? Then, then the next plan, guys, is to plant uh, Lima, Peru with Stefano. Amen? After the GLC, Stefano will move down to, to Santiago, Chile to train under Alfredo so he can get ready to plant that incredible church. Amen? See, in order to plant these churches, we need to understand that Jesus gave his life for the world. One final scripture in Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians 1, in verse 24, it says, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up my flesh what is lacking, what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. See, the Bible says here that in order to get the job done, we need to suffer. We need to suffer what Christ did not suffer in order to see God's will being done in this world. See, in order to do this work, we need to sacrifice. See, I think about, about Carlos and Lucy Mejia. 
Are you awesome? They, Carlos was a businessman. He was making good money. And he gave it all up, guys, to become the leader of the Mexico City Church, amen? Before that, he's been a leader in, in Washington, D.C., Santiago, Chile, but he gave it all up. I mean, think about it. Latinos, we want to live the American dream. In fact, I, I dare to say this. For us Latinos, it's harder to give up the American dream than for other people because we come from poverty. We come from difficult situations. So once we get to the States, we want the life. So to go back to our country, oh, baby, that's difficult. But we need to have the same heart as any disciple. I, thi I think about Jose Otero. Jose Otero gave everything up to be a missionary there in Santiago, Chile. Now he's in Mexico City. God blessed him. He got a wife, and now he has a kid. Amen? <laughs> Guys, Jose Otero had a great life in the state. He sold his Mercedes. I mean, nobody here has a Mercedes. He sold his Mercedes to go into the ministry. Guys, I sold my bike to go into the ministry. Amen? <laughs> I mean, he sold his Mercedes. I think about Jared and Rachel. I mean, Jared is not American. I mean, he's American. He's not Latino. He, he looks Latino now because so much time there. Jared is, is American. Like, if Jared wasn't a disciple, guys, he would be in the backwoods somewhere with a beer in his hand. I mean, living the American dream, you know. But, but, now, but now Jared is living God's dream in Latin America. Amen? I think about Danilo and Carol, students there in the University of Busby. I mean, these are engineers, guys. Uh, they're going to make a lot of money in Brazil, but they're going to give it all up to make intern money and plant the church. Amen? <laughs> Finally, I think about another Brazilian guy here. I think about Caio. Caio, stand up for a minute. That's Caio. Amen? He's single. He needs a girlfriend. Amen? I need to get him a girlfriend. Amen? And Caio is an incredible man of God. He's going to be an evangelist. I mean, this man has, has a master's degree in physics. A master's degree in physics. I barely know how to speak English. I mean, this guy has a master's degree in physics. And, and guys, he, he, had a, he had a full paid scholarship to do his doctor's degree in Russia. He already had it, a full paid scholarship. He was going to be there with the Russians drinking vodka, doing physics problems. But he gave all that up to be in the ministry and, make, and, and be an intern in the Sao Paulo church. Amen? Guys, let's dream for God. Let's dream to evangelize Central and South America. Amen? Amen, guys. At this time, I want you to stand up and take a two-minute break. Thank you.